are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Friday, October 9th edition of Locked On Dolphins, ahead of week five against the San Francisco 49ers, and today's episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. We have two primary objectives on today's show. We want to check in with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. And we have to craft a game plan to try and beat the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think it's important here with San Francisco, with some of the questions that they have as a team right now, uh, to check in with Brian first and then get into the game plan based on some of the player availability that Brian and I spoke about when we spoke on Thursday afternoon. Uh, So we will start there with today's show me speaking with Brian about the state of the San Francisco 49ers, three pressing issues slash players uh, that I wanted to discuss with him. And then from there, we'll get into, okay, based on what Brian had to say, how do we beat this team? All right, Kyle, I want to give you an opportunity to grill me about what's going on with the San Francisco 49ers right now. I've got some more questions for you about the Miami Dolphins, and then we'll make some official predictions about what we might see here in week five. So the floor is yours. What would you like to know about the 49ers? Yeah, so the first thing, Brian, that stands out, I look at San Francisco as a team, obviously two and two. You're in this really unenviable spot to start the season where you endure so many injuries. So I'm just kind of curious, like, who's playing in this game and who's not? You know, Richard Sherman, he's eligible to come back. I know Kyle Shanahan said that he's probably a week six return, just like Raheem Moster. But, like, how has the week been trending for some of those fringe guys, even Jimmy Garoppolo, for – who Miami should expect to see on the field, because I think that's going to set be really important for Dolphins fans to set their expectations for this game. Absolutely, and that's been the theme of the 49ers season so far, is who's actually even available. And uh, Kyle Shanahan's been a little bit coy about some of it, but it's pretty clear at this point now that Richard Sherman is going to be a week six proposition at the earliest. I don't think he's going to play this week, and most likely Raheem Mostert will be the same, although he was a limited participant at practice Wednesday, and they've got a ton of people who are limited, including Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, the last couple of weeks, Kyle Shanahan all week long has said, yeah, we're not sure if Jimmy's going to be able to play or not. But it was clear all along, I think, that he wasn't. This week, it's a little bit closer, and Jimmy might actually have the opportunity to play. And then when asked about if Jimmy can't play, who will be the starter, Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, Kyle Shanahan also says, well, I know that answer, but I'm not going to tell you that answer. You're going to have to find out at game time, essentially. So uh, he wants the Miami Dolphins to prepare for not only two quarterbacks this week, but three quarterbacks in Garoppolo, Mullins, and Beathard. I don't think it's probably much of a change in game plan for a defense, but Kyle Shanahan said that he thinks it's much different between Mullins and Beathard, which makes me think maybe he's leaning toward Beathard there because he is the player that has a little bit bigger arm and and maybe the player that the offense would look slightly different versus Garoppolo and Mullins, which the game plan is probably pretty similar most weeks. So, Brian, I wanted to also ask you about San Francisco's offensive line. Uh, It's been one of the units. Obviously, there was the change at guard in the offseason, but generally speaking, aside of Weston Richburg, 
being on PUP to start the season. You guys have had a lot of the same bodies there. You brought in Trent Williams in the offseason. Seems like based off what I've been seeing of San Francisco play this year and what I've been reading about San Francisco this year, that Mike McGlinchey is a disappointment to start the season. You know me as a draft guy. I got to ask a draft prospect related <laughs> question. Really liked Mike coming out. They made him a top 10 pick. So is what's the book on Mike right now? Is that a spot where if the Dolphins, Emmanuel Ogba has been playing really well the past two weeks for the Dolphins and he rushes off the defensive left side. So that matchup's going to be there. Is that something that we could see an opportunity for the Dolphins to create a little push in the pocket? Yeah, it's really strange. Mike McGlinchey is one spot that I don't think 49ers fans thought they were going to have to worry about coming into the year. And he's still run blocking very well. If you look at the big Raheem Mostert runs, you look at the screen passes and the handoffs to Brandon Ayuk and the touchdowns he scored. Number 69 is out in front and blocking on those plays. So he's been really good in the run game. But the past game, he's gotten beaten way too often. And it's strange. And in this last game, he was lunging at guys and he got beat by... Avery, he got beat by Derek Barnett, and even Trent Williams on the left side, who's looked like an all-pro to start the season, he got beat a couple times in pass protection. So maybe there's some issues with some coaching points, and I think they were lunging a little bit, trying to sell some run action and then get beat that way. I think McGlinchey might be a little bit lighter than he had been in the past, so I think he's worried a little bit more about bull rush, and you've seen some strength to get to him, and then all of a sudden he'll, you know, he'll have to worry about that, and then someone will get him around the corner with speed. So um, I, I don't know exactly what the problem is with Mike McGlinchey, but he's not playing as well as he had in the past, and it was definitely a spot that I don't think the 49ers fans thought they had to worry about. They were more concerned about the interior of the line. Center Ben Garland might be one of the best offensive linemen right now on the 49ers. He's only given up one pressure, but considering that, uh, total quarterback hits allowed through week four. Right now the 49ers lead the league in that department. They've given up 40 quarterback hits, wow. 10 per game through the first four weeks, and you uh, compare that to a team like the Green Bay Packers who've given up nine quarterback hits through four weeks. So it's definitely been a problem, and it's the one unit that's not as banged up as some of the others. The defensive line's playing better than the offensive line, even though they've lost maybe their two best players with D. Ford and Nick Bosa. Brian, my last question is, one of the sore spots for the Dolphins roster this year is their linebacker group. And you look across the sideline, and you got a guy over there in Fred Warner. And Dolphins fans are going to get a taste this week of what high-level linebacker play looks like with Fred Warner. Can you just kind of set the table for how Fred's been playing? Obviously, took a big jump last year. Uh, a, a true three-down guy who's turned into such a great steal for San Francisco, drafting him in the third round a few years back. Fred Warner's been awesome. He's been the best player for the 49ers this year, I mean, especially considering when they've lost George Kittle and lost Nick Bosa, who would have been the other players you would consider as the best players on the roster. He's been phenomenal. He's so smart. He keeps getting better every year, and he obviously has range. He's so athletic, and he's so good in coverage. So he's the perfect modern-day linebacker. He's the most consistent player on the team, and you almost forget how good he is, and he makes a few wow plays per game every week, and you just expect it at this point because that's how good Fred Warner is. He's a true leader on the team, and uh, you know I, I think linebacker is in some ways the the running back of a defense where it, people don't expect a linebacker to be that position that leads your defense anymore in this day and age. But when you have a modern day linebacker like Fred Warner who plays at the level he has, uh, I don't know if there's a more impactful linebacker in the league for the type of scheme and what's asked of linebackers in this scheme as Fred Warner. So he's been absolutely. Phenomenal. So if, if the Miami Dolphins do make a trade, draft a trade in 2021 with the 49ers, 
probably much more likely that they should ask for Mike McGlinchey than, than Fred Warner. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you in your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol to tap and pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. So there you have it. What does the game plan look like to beat the San Francisco 49ers? Whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo plays will obviously be a huge variable for the Dolphins in this football game. But interestingly enough, you could make a case if San Francisco feels the pressure to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back before he is at 100% capacity, and they do choose to play him, that a less than 100% Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be the worst thing for the Dolphins to face. You know, As we've talked about all throughout this week on the heels of losing to Russell Wilson after losing to Josh Allen earlier in the season, the Dolphins are no longer facing an elite quarterback gauntlet for the next several weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo slash Nick Mullins slash C.J. Beathard. This is a much more easy-to-digest opposing quarterback slate, especially if they play Jimmy and Jimmy's not 100% healthy. Is Garoppolo the best of the bunch? Of course he is. But is he the best of the bunch when he's healthy? Can he move the same way? Is he more stationary? I think the Dolphins, defensively, Emmanuel Agba against Mike McGlinchey is a big variable for the Dolphins. Agba has to show up big again. Creating some organic pressure off the right side would be huge uh, for the Dolphins, in no matter who the quarterback is. But I do think there's a greater variable at play defensively for the Dolphins in this football game and that it's Eric Rowe's going to have to spend a lot of time in the box. Think about it. San Francisco, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, George Kittle, the best tight end in football. San Francisco, run, play, action, passing off of that. Rowe's going to have to be down in the box. Rowe's going to have to play an A1 game. He's going to have to make reads crisp. He's going to have to identify pass or run indicators quickly. He's going to have to get into run fits rapidly. Oh, and you got to cover uh, George Kittle in man-to-man coverage. <laughs> it's an unenviable role for Eric Rowe to be in, but Rowe has been at the top of the mountain. He played in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. He's gone through this transition. He's used to playing man-to-man. He's had some great success against some really good tight ends over the last 20 games as a member of the Miami Dolphins. You ain't going to face one better than Kittle. And you ain't going to face one better than Travis Kelsey, which we play later this season as well. But that's how it's going to have to operate for the Dolphins. They're going to have to try to 
Load the box, reroute the tight end early, try and stay sticky with him down the field. Of course, the corners. You don't have superstars at wide receiver, but you got young, explosive, physical talent at wide receiver. So Miami, you just better tackle. Make sure you tackle. Don't let these guys create after the catch, which is where they're at their best. And in the run game, Kittle obviously is a big part of that. Roe being in the box as a presence is a big big piece of that as well. But these edge guys, whether it's Lawson and Agba or Kyle Van Noy, these dudes need a big game because whether Raheem Mostert plays or not for San Francisco, this rushing attack hums. It always hums. It's very effective. Kyle Shanahan draws up great play calls and play designs. You got to turn their wide zone and outside zone back inside to team pursuit. You cannot let them get the edge. So I think it's kind of an interesting conflict in the Dolphins. Do they try and play a lot of true man-to-man and risk their corners getting run off the edge down the field for soft edges? And then if your edge defender in the box gets hooked, now now you've given up the perimeter for big runs? Or do you try and play a little bit of zone and have eyes in the backfield from your corners so that they can identify and trigger on run? I think early downs makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins to play some zone. A little more zone than they would typically do because you want to have those eyes in the backfield on the running downs. You get the third and long, you know, you can zone it up. You can do man match, pattern match. You can, you know, do hybrid coverages. If you're going to blitz and bring pressure, you can play straight man. If you've got Byron Jones, so you got Igbo in the slot where he belongs. Not facing Tyler Lockett or Stephon Diggs. So that's that's the, the blueprint defensively. Row, a lot of volume in the box. Agba, you gotta be better than Mike McGlinchey. You've been better than the last two offensive tackles that you faced. McGlinchey's a higher pedigree player, but he struggled greatly this year. You gotta win one-on-ones. And Miami's got to turn outside runs inside. So whether that's you're stacking a backer over top of your man in line of scrimmage and that defensive end crashes down and that linebacker steps out so he's got free leverage to identify and step up and maintain that edge integrity and contain integrity. Or if you're going to try to just play with your base defensive end and have him keep outside arm free and string it out. If you trust your guys to do that, I wouldn't trust them to do that too much against Trent Williams on the left side. I'd probably look to do some gap exchanges to that left side. Trent Williams is a beast. That's the blueprint. Dolphins, you know, early down zone. Row in the box be physical and stout, and have a strong presence on the edge, even if that means you got to spend a little extra time and attention there. Because I do think Miami's interior defensive linemen physically can stack up San Francisco's interior offensive line fairly well to dictate the line of scrimmage. Trent's going to move you at left tackle, so that's why I think you got to play some games and exchanges with him 
so that if he wins an individual one-on-one rep, you're not totally boned. They're just not going to run in right behind him every single play. Offensively, what helps Miami is Richard Sherman does not appear scheduled to play in this football game. What helps Miami is Nick Bosa will not play in this football game. Solomon Thomas will not play in this football game. D. Ford will not play in this football game. Emmanuel Mosley, really talented corner. He's banged up. Jimmy Ward, safety with a wrist injury. He was banged up earlier this week. So even if Austin Jackson doesn't play, I don't think it changes. I don't think the blueprint changes too much for the Dolphins. What does it look like? Well, first and foremost, you got to feed your best player. I would say feed Mike Gusecki. But we do need to be aware of the presence of Fred Warner at linebacker. And I'm going to get there in just a second. So that's why our best individual matchup is Devontae Parker against whoever is across from him on the other side of the line scrimmage. Feed him. Feed him the football. Let's hope he doesn't have any setbacks. Obviously, the hamstring issue has been good for the past couple weeks. Tweaked the ankle early against Seattle, but did manage to come back into this football game, hoping that that's status quo, that he's totally fine. There's no interruptions of his availability there. And man, I'd keep looking at him. But you can't just throw him the ball, which I think was some of the the problem that we had with Fitz, as we talked about earlier in the week, uh, and even yesterday on the All-22 reaction. Fitz didn't execute the reads. Fitz knew where he wanted to go the ball before the snap, and like no matter what changed with that picture after the snap, like we still threw it. You can't. You got to be disciplined, execute your reads. San Francisco is another team defensively off of this Seattle zone. There's space to work. Don't lose sight of Fred Warner, the linebacker in the middle. But you should have spaces to work and soft spots to identify. Isaiah Ford, this seems like a good game for you. Show up, catch some footballs. But volume through Devontae Parker in the passing game, get your best player of the football. That's part of the blueprint for the Dolphins. For me, the biggest variable of running the football in Week 5 against the San Francisco 49ers, ironically enough, has nothing to do with concept or player on the Dolphins' side of the ball. Doesn't have anything to do with whether or not Austin Jackson is going to play either because he's been up and down. You got to run away from Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead, defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive lineman, whatever you want to classify him as, he has developed into a very, 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 very good football player. And San Francisco has lost how many first round picks off their offensive or defensive line this year? They traded away DeForest Buckner in the offseason for a number one pick that became Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, who they took in the top 15. They lost Nick Bosa to injury, knee injury. They lost Solomon Thomas to a knee injury. You still have Eric Armstead, and you still have Javon Kinlaw on this defensive line. It's nuts. Kinlaw's been good, but he's still a rookie. I don't want to run directly at Eric Armstead, in a lot of instances. Because San Francisco's probably going to move him around. And if they do move him around, what they're probably going to end up doing is identifying soft spaces. Either offensive tackle. 
left guard against Eric Flowers. Solomon Kinley, I think, can bump with him a little bit. But even Kinley doesn't maintain his blocks for greater duration of time. So just don't run at him. Don't run at him. I think that's the easiest way to do it. I think that's one thing Miami does have in their favor is because they are so they're built so stout and big on the offensive line now. Armstead's like 300 pounds. Kenlaw's like 310 pounds. Like these are big dudes. Uh, but they're not, they shouldn't just completely thrash and manhandle the Dolphins offensively, physically speaking. Versus guys that are, you know, a little bit undersized, don't have great functional strength, get tossed around by guys like Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead. Miami should not. Doesn't mean they'll maintain their blocks and win gaps, but they shouldn't get manhandled. So run away from Eric Armstead. And the last piece of the puzzle, this is the most important piece of the puzzle for the Dolphins offensively this week. Play action passing and screen game. We got to use it. Because Fred Warner in the middle, the linebacker, we keep talking about him. He is a stud inside linebacker. He's one of the best three-down linebackers in football. Dolphins fans, as I said to Brian, we've seen some not very good linebacker play in Miami in the first month of the season. If you want to know what good linebacker play looks like, watch Fred Warner every single play for San Francisco. You have to lie to him. You can't just run Gasecki up the seam because Fred will jump that target and he will intercept that pass. So play action passing. You got to try to prompt him to step up and then get it over the top of him. You got to run play action and turn it into screen game, whether that's against the grain or delayed with the play action fake. So you get him to waste steps. You gotta find ways to move him off of his platform because if he is where he's supposed to be on every play, he's gonna kill anything in the middle of the field. He's gonna kill it. So that for me, for the Dolphins, we gotta continue to see, and they've they've done a decent job of starting to implement some of this stuff, but like we gotta see more of it, and it's gotta start popping off and hitting. And of course, the great conflict there is because Miami is so big on the offensive line. Their offensive line really can't reach far-reaching landmarks, so you have to condense the set to feel confident in the offensive lineman to pick up their blocks. Well, if you condense the set, you're losing spacing issues. It becomes much more of like everything's got to be perfect. And you need somebody to make a mistake. The Dolphins have to try to prompt, and the Dolphins, it's going to be like this all year, but especially against a guy like Fred Warren on the second level. The Dolphins, very few teams the Dolphins are going to be able to line up against and say, we're just better than you, so we're just going to run a play every single play and expect to win it 90% of the time. The wrinkles. We talked in week one about how Miami knew that the Patriots were going to run Cam Newton, but them pulling play-side tackle instead of play-side guard was a wrinkle that allowed the New England Patriots to freeze the linebackers because the linebackers weren't keying on the guards. Little stuff like that. Miami has to start introducing those on the nuance plays. So that way when you do run your traditional packaged plays, you at least cause that split second of hesitation and you can generate some wins with your base offense. We'll see how it goes. Miami's traveling today. 
This is one of the games across the league where there seem to be no pending COVID implications at this point in time. Uh, no positive tests for either team as of this recording at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. New York Jets had a presumed positive case, so they're kind of in limbo right now. Uh, the Bills are playing on Tuesday next week at this point in time. The Patriots game got pushed from Monday to Tuesday to make sure that they've identified all the positive cases in New England's front. So lots to monitor here, lots to pay attention to as far as the dynamics across the league. But from the Dolphins' perspective, we're operating as business as usual for the here and now until we're told otherwise. Let's keep our fingers crossed everybody stays healthy. I'll keep my fingers crossed that you guys enjoy the weekend of football. And let's all keep our fingers crossed that the Dolphins procure that dub. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'll talk to you guys on Monday after the game.